good evening, everybody. Uh, tonight we're talking about the four G's of becoming spiritually mature. And this is one of my favorite subjects. This is one of the things that uh, I discovered pretty early in my walk with Christ, that spiritual maturity was something that really mattered to me. Spiritual maturity is something that I've uh, frequently found myself desiring to value or desiring to to latch on to or in, in, invest in. I'm sure that this is the type of thing that probably excites all of us here on the call tonight. Uh, I don't imagine that you would bother to take the time to be on a call like this tonight if this wasn't a subject that you also felt rather strongly about. And uh, so I appreciate you guys jumping on the call here and being part of this. But I'll explain what I mean about the four G's of becoming spiritually mature in just a few moments. I will say that this is something that we reference frequently in the context of our church. And uh, I thought that that would be uh, something that would be really practical for us to be discussing this evening. So let me start off here um, by just making a statement here, and that's this. Spiritual maturity is something the Lord desires us to attain. And by the way, when you look throughout Scripture, you can see that that's something that the Lord emphasizes. You see this in the Old Testament. You see this in the New Testament. Spiritual maturity is something the Lord wants us to attain. He wants us to grow mature in our relationship with Him. He wants us to apply the truth of His Word to the, to the day-to-day lives that we, we live. He wants us to be people who value what He has to say. So this is clearly something that matters to the Lord, but I'm sure many of you noticed, and I've certainly noticed this, that many professing Christians remain in a lingering state of immaturity. And, uh, you know, in a few moments, maybe we could talk a little bit about why, but I just want you to be thinking about that for, for starters. Why do some Christians seem to remain in a lingering state of immaturity? Why does this persist for so long? Why are there people in, uh, you know, uh, faithfully attending local churches for decades who find themselves in a spot where they're not progressing in their faith. They're not growing in their faith. They seem to be no further along than they were when, when they first made a profession of faith. And spiritual maturity is, is something that matters to the Lord, but it doesn't always seem to matter to people who call on the name of the Lord. And I think that that's something that the Lord wants us to address. That's something that the Lord wants us to change. So let me say this as well. Many people who desire to become spiritually mature they actually miss one key ingredient that's necessary. And I guess we could use the word ingredient or we could use the word component. Uh, But there's a a key component, a key ingredient to becoming spiritually mature that we don't typically think about right off the bat, but it's something that many people actually miss. And what they end up trying to do is they try to grow solo. You know, they try to grow in their own strength. They try to grow in their own effort. They try to grow just by themselves. Even though scripture makes it clear that we have been designed to grow in community. Now, think about that statement for just a second. And when we get to the questions and discussion time, uh, I'd like someone to bring this concept back up. So just kind of have this in the back of your mind for when we get into the discussion time. Um, But I I know for me personally, I'll just kind of start this off by, by referencing myself. I know when I'm trying to grow spiritually, one of the first things I start doing is I I start thinking through my day-to-day, and I start thinking about what I want to change as far as my patterns, and what I want to change about 
what what I'm I'm feeding my heart and and what I'm reading and what I'm consuming and things like that. And I think, all right, if I make this investment and I make this investment and I, and I make this investment, if I increase my prayer time, if I do this and do that, uh, maybe then I'll grow spiritually. And that's certainly these are certainly things that that can help a person grow spiritually, obviously. But the missing ingredient that I think keeps people stuck for long periods of time is the fact that they try to do this all by themselves. You know, first of all, they're trying to do it all in their own effort instead of relying on the Lord and the strength that he supplies. But also, they're not doing this in community. And Scripture makes it clear that we have been designed to grow in community. That's how the Lord has designed us to operate. That's how the Lord has designed us to grow. Even when you look at who God is, by nature, the Lord exists in perfect community. Perfect community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in perfect fellowship. Perfect community. And so if God by nature exists in perfect community, why would I think that somehow I could experience the things of God in the way that he wants me to ultimately experience them in an overly solo capacity. The Lord's designed us to operate and to grow in community. So the local church is an integral part of God's plan to help believers grow. I think some people, uh, you know, they, they tend to look at the local church as an option or the local church as you know, maybe not necessarily something that is a necessity or something that they prioritize. I think many of us can identify the fact that there are many people that, that even just when they plan out their weekly schedule or how they want to use their time or how they, they want to spend uh, time with their family, they look at the local church as an option provided that it doesn't interrupt with something else that they had on their weekly schedule. And, um, but when you look at what scripture tells us, it reveals to us that the local church is that is an integral plan of uh, are part of God's plan to help believers grow. He desires that local churches be planted. He desires that local churches be something that we're highly invested in, and we will not grow to the degree that he wants us to grow if we're not plugged in to a local church. And, uh, and so when we talk about these four Gs in just a moment, we're going to do so from the perspective of tying our spiritual maturity and tying our growth as believers to the healthy rhythms of a local church. And I believe that healthy churches encourage the four G's of spiritual maturity. And this is what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about tonight, this idea, these ideas of gathering, growing, giving, and going. Gathering, growing, giving, and going. I call them the four G's of, of spiritual maturity. These are things that we emphasize, by the way, in the church that I have the privilege to serve. We actually encourage people, if they're desiring to become a member of our church, that they commit. Part of our membership covenant actually asks people to commit to these four G's, gathering, growing, giving, and going. And I'll, I'll share in just a moment some of the distinctives of each of these four, but one of the first um, the, you know, well, the first that you'll see on, on my particular list is this idea of gathering. Uh, now, let me read from Hebrews chapter 10. In my mind, this is one of the primary groups of verses that speaks about the importance of believers being committed to gather. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love 
and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we don't know specifically whom the Lord inspired to write down the book of Hebrews. People have all sorts of guesses. Some people think it could be the Apostle Paul. Some people think it may have been Apollos. I've heard several other uh, suggestions. I've even heard, uh, uh, if you remember, Priscilla and Aquila as their reference throughout Scripture uh, in the New Testament. Some people have um, come to the belief that it very well could have been maybe either Priscilla or Aquila who wrote down the book of Hebrews. I'm not certain. None of us truly know. Um, but in the book of Hebrews, it talks about this idea of gathering together. And in this concept of gathering together, it says, first of all, well, like when you look at verse 25, it tells us don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, right? So it says that we could easily get into the habit of not meeting together. And I have to tell you, I've been feeling this in a very pronounced way recently as we're in the midst of all these quarantines and everything else that are going on right now. I truly truly miss gathering together with our church family. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing live streaming of different things. We host these trainings. We, um, you know, we, we live stream our worship services. We, we're, we're utilizing video and, and uh, technology to the best um, degree that we can, but that's not really a substitute for true gathering. And, um, and in the book of Hebrews, it tells us, it's, it's like, listen, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, how do we stir one another up to love and good works? How does that happen? Well, we need to be spending time together. We need to be committed to gathering together, not neglecting it, not developing another habit that makes the gathering just seem like an option, but rather in, you know, committing to gather together so that we could stir one another up so that we could encourage one another, and so that we could do so in light of the fact that the day of the Lord's return is near. Now, we don't know when he's coming back. It, it, it could be, you know, and our, our, our ways of, of sometimes thinking about what near is um, maybe differs from the Lord's economy and the Lord's timetable, but I do know this, that we're one day closer to his return than we were yesterday. And if the Lord tarries, then tomorrow we'll be one day closer to his return than we were today. So he's coming back, he's returning, and the writer of Hebrews tells us, listen, don't neglect gathering together. Because if we gather, if we fail to gather together, what we're basically doing is we're setting ourselves up to live in perpetual immaturity. And we're going to fail to truly stir one another up in the ways in which we need to be stirred up. So when, you know, when we think of, of gathering together, that shouldn't be considered an option in our thinking. That's something that we should look at and say, all right, this is a priority, because Scripture encourages us to be people who are committed to gathering together, and this matters. This matters for our growth. It matters in, in regard to our, uh, our opportunity to uh, worship the Lord together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that, that one of the things that has really ministered to me during the years, when I have been feeling either not quite like myself when I've been feeling a little bit down or discouraged or, or weary. Uh, just the sometimes like when, when I'm together with my brothers and sisters in Christ and someone will take the time to pray for, for me, or I'll just listen to them sing when we're taking time to worship the Lord through singing. I know that that ministers to me and that that helps lift me up and it helps encourage me. 
And uh, I, I know that I wouldn't experience that kind of encouragement if I didn't have the opportunity to gather together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So gathering, I would say, is the first of these four Gs, but I think it progresses from there to this idea of growing. Now, I'm going to show two sections of Scripture as we, we talk about this idea of growing, and I'm going to express uh, what I try and encourage our church family to value in regard to growing, and what I, I think it means to go from the gathering phase to progressing to add the growing phase to our spiritual maturity. But in, again, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, growth is discussed here. It's, you know, maturity is, is, is discussed. And it says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So here in this portion of Scripture, again, you can see the writer of Hebrews, he seems very intent on encouraging the church to grow mature, to go from being uh, spiritual infants to spiritual leaders. In fact, he says here, you know, he, the writer seems to be discouraged by the fact that, that many in the church had become dull of hearing uh, because they weren't prioritizing the growth that the Lord wanted them to prioritize. Instead of becoming teachers, they were basically reverting back to a form of infancy. And the writer of Hebrews here says, listen, you're, you're at a spot here where you've, you've known the Lord long enough that you ought to be a teacher, but yet you need somebody to, someone to come back in and teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, you know, milk instead of solid food. He's saying you're living as people who are unskilled in the word, unskilled in the word. Think about that for, for just a second. What does it mean to be unskilled in the word? I once had somebody, this is just a few years ago, and she asked me uh, how I was able to bring something up from scripture to my mind so quickly. That was her question, because she had a question related to something about the will of God and something about scripture. And I had an answer for her that surprised her that it was something that came quickly, and I was able to point her to something in scripture. And her question was, how do you know that? How do you know that? And, you know, when I look at this portion of scripture, and it talks about the, this idea of being skilled or unskilled in the word, there's not a whole lot of trick to it. You know, if you and I spend a lot of time reading the Word, if you and I spend a lot of time praying over the things that are included in the Word, if you and I spend a lot of time um, listening to others communicate and teach the Word, if you and I ask questions as we read through the Word and make notes, and, and we just do this over the course of time, as we do this over the course of years, what ends up happening is we start to become skilled in the Word of Righteousness. We start to commit it to memory. We, we uh, to memory. We start committing it to our day to day lives. We we start practicing it. We start communicating it to others. I know that one of the things that has helped me um, to retain a lot of the things that are are kind of stuck in my head now forever in regard to scripture is being put in the spot where I've been forced to teach it. 
by virtue of having to preach and teach every week of my uh, adult life, uh, having become a, a pastor full-time at age 21, but also um, I, I was serving in youth ministry for uh, several years prior to, prior to that while I was in, in college. And just being put in a spot where I had to preach and teach over and over and over again, one of the end results has been, one of the benefits that's come to me is retaining the scripture in my mind. It's been a genuine benefit. And uh, as we grow, you know, this is, this is an opportunity for us to continue to become skilled in the word and to put it into practice. But I believe, you know, when we're talking about the four G's in regard to a local church, I think the first G gather, I, I uh, think of that primarily as like the main gathering. So for many of us, that might be a Sunday morning. We commit to a Sunday morning gathering where believers are gathered together. But then growing I would say that this starts to happen more when we're in, in face-to-face fellowship. So Sunday morning, you're not necessarily in face-to-face fellowship with a lot of people. You're kind of staring at the back of somebody else's head while you collectively worship. But a worship service typically isn't very conversational. But usually it's small groups and, and Sunday school opportunities and things of that nature that give the opportunity for face-to-face fellowship to happen. And I think that that's the phase that a church moves into when it encourages its, uh, its congregants, its people, to grow, where you go from being part of the bigger group to now being part of a smaller group where you're looking at each other face-to-face and you're making investments in one another's life, where you're teaching one another the word of righteousness, where you're speaking this into one another's lives, not just, not just listening in a group setting where, where you're hearing someone speak to everybody, but where you're dialoguing on these things. And I think that that helps facilitate growth. Something else related to growth that I want to point out here is this, what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. He says this in that section where he's talking about the idea of spiritual gifts. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So if you're familiar with the portions of Scripture that speak about spiritual gifts, you see this in Romans 12, you see this in 1 Corinthians 12, you see this in Ephesians 4, you also see this in 1 Peter 4, so 2.12s and 2.4s, if you're kind of keeping track of that in your mind. Uh, But Scripture tells us that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us, and He gifts us in a variety of ways. But He doesn't give every one of us all the gifts. So when He gifted me, He didn't give me all of the gifts. He gave me one or some. And same with you. He didn't give you all of them. He gave you at least one, but He may have given you several. And the Scripture tells us there are varieties of ways that we we become gifted by the Holy Spirit, varieties of ways to serve. And he gifts us in such a way that we become supernaturally empowered to serve others in a particular way. So if he gifts you with the ability to teach, that means he's giving you a supernatural ability to communicate the scriptures in such a way that people understand these things better and their relationship with the Lord grows as a result. And uh, there's a variety of ways that these things are, are uh, or a variety of, of gifts that the Lord gives. 
And some of these things are, are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, but you see the others in the other portions of Scripture that I mentioned a moment ago. Again, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. You see these different gifts listed. And if we aren't interacting face-to-face in one another's lives, we're robbing each other of the opportunity to grow. If I'm not investing myself in you and then taking the investment that you make in me and, and you know, doing this through face-to-face interaction where we're speaking into one another's lives, we're not really going to grow. We may gather, but we're not going to grow. So we need to, we need to add to the gathering this idea of growing if we're going to mature, and that happens through face-to-face interaction and face-to-face investment that we use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us and make investments in our brothers and sisters in Christ with those gifts. Now, the third G is this, this idea of giving. So we gather, we grow, and we give. I love what Acts chapter 4, verse 32 tells us. And that portion of Scripture tells us, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So I bring that portion of scripture up because it illustrates that in the early church, believers were extremely generous and they were sharing everything they had in common. And this idea of giving, as we talk about this idea of being generous with what the Lord's blessed us with, I think part of our spiritual maturity is that we give whatever the Lord gives unto us. So we gather, we grow, and now we give. And the idea is if the Lord has given you time, Use that time and and give that time away. If the Lord's given you a talent or if he's given you a gift, if he's given you an ability, use that to serve somebody else. And if he's given you financial resources, use that to, to ultimately glorify the Lord through how you bless other people's lives, through how you generously bless, you know, in the context of the local church. We're supposed to have this generous and giving mindset. We see this exemplified in the lives of the believers who were part of the early church, basically everything they had, they treated this as something that the Lord had entrusted to them for a temporary period of time as a gift. And so they said, all right, this doesn't really belong to me anyway. My time is not my own. My talents are not my own. My treasures are not my own. I'm going to use these things to glorify the Lord, and I'm going to serve God's people with these things. I'm going to be giving with what the Lord has given me. I'm going to be generous with what he's been generous to me with. And so we see the early believers doing that, and that's something that we're called to do as well. I think it's part of spiritual maturity. I think a spiritually immature person tends to be a selfish person. A spiritually immature person forgets the ways in which they've been blessed, and instead of using the blessings they've been given to worship the Lord with those blessings, they end up worshiping the blessings instead of taking the blessings and then being generous with them. And so we gather, we grow, we give, and then the fourth G is we go. And this is the idea of seeing yourself as a missionary in every context that the Lord places you. I love what we're told in Acts chapter 13, verse 47. There it says this, and here you you have um, um, the book of Isaiah being quoted here, but it says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Think about that statement for just a second. I have made you a light for the Gentiles 
that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, we could look at that and we could say, all right, in a very real way, we see this exemplified through Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth and brought the light of the gospel and brought salvation to the ends of the earth, but he lives within us. And our mission now is that as followers of Christ who are, are empowered by Christ who lives within us, we have to recognize that we have been made lights. We have been made lights by the Lord, lights for the Gentiles, so that they would see the truth as the Lord speaks through our lips and as he speaks through our lives, and that we would go as his missionaries, that we would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I think it's fascinating when we consider the context in which this scripture was first revealed. For many of us, that's on the other side of the world from where we live. You know, I'm here in Pennsylvania in the United States. And here in this particular context, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ocean away from where these things were communicated. But how have I heard them? Well, someone, may, you know, ultimately several people, when you go back into the chain of, of um, human connection, several people went. Many people went. They traveled throughout the world proclaiming the message of the gospel. And here I am in southeastern Pennsylvania, knowing the gospel, hearing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, because somebody took the initiative to go. As they grew in their walk with Christ, they recognized they were missionaries. They were missionaries who needed to go and make proclamation of the gospel. And so again, as, as it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I don't know if this is something that, um, that you necessarily think about in a very personal way, but if you haven't up to this point thought of this in a personal way, I'd encourage you to continue thinking of this in a personal way, that the Lord has specifically made you a light for the Gentiles you individually, you specifically, that he's made your local church a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so we talk about this idea of gathering, growing, giving, and going. And as I look at these things, I see a path here for spiritual maturity, not spiritual complacency, not spiritual immaturity, not just hanging out and saying, Lord, thank you for the many ways you've chosen to bless me, but I'm just going to sit on my hands until you return. God has not called me and he has not called you to just sit on our hands while we wait for him to return. He's called us to be people who commit to gathering, who are committed to, to, to growing, to giving, and to going, just like we see in the early church, we're called to follow that example as well in our generation. And as we do so, what ends up happening is spiritual maturity flourishes. It flourishes in our individual lives, but it also flourishes in the context of local churches that become committed to these four Gs. This is actually something that in coming weeks I'll be preaching on um, you know, for our, our worship services here in my church. And it's something that, that it, you know, at least, you know, sometimes once a year, sometimes once every couple of years, I tend to take a few weeks to talk about these four Gs because ultimately I want this to be part of the DNA of our local church because I know that if it's part of the DNA of our local church, it'll also work itself into the DNA of individual believers who are part of our local church. And then by the grace of God, we have the privilege to grow mature together as we make these investments in one another's lives. So in just a moment, uh, I'm going to stop the screen share here.
and um, and we'll take some questions and comments and discussion. So hopefully you have a few things in mind and maybe even some personal examples, either from your own life or from the context of your local church that you could share that might give us added insight uh, or ways in which you can use the, the gifts that the Lord's given to you to speak into our lives. But again, this is uh, the content of each of these training events. Uh, we are saving each of these training events under the banner of the Healthy Discipleship Community, and each of these are accessible through that portal. So if, uh, if there's anything that we have been doing on these training calls, on these coaching calls that uh, you need access to, uh, or if you want um, copies of the slides, one of the things I was told recently uh, is that somebody would like copies of the slides of one of the Thursday night coaching calls that we did, uh, don't hesitate to email me. Um, you could visit healthydiscipleshipcommunity.com and get some information on that, but you could also send me an email at john at desirejesus.com if you want any of the slides or anything like that. I'll just be happy to send them out to you. Um, but let me end my screen share, and uh, then I hope uh, we'll be able to to jump on here with some discussion. All right, I see you guys. Hopefully, you guys see me. Let me. Uh, let me put the chat here on live. Okay, some thoughts and some comments or some questions from some of you related to the four G's, gathering, growing, giving, and going. What are some of your thoughts related to these things? Here, this is going to be my first question while I wait for you guys to formulate some thoughts, all right? My first question is this. Which of those four G's do you feel like it took you longest to become committed to? I wonder if someone might might share which one did it did it seem like it took you the longest to become committed to gathering, growing, giving, or going? And growing, we're talking about this idea of face to face fellowship, face to face interaction. Go ahead, Nathan, get us started. I see I see your hand up. Giving one hundred percent, which I'm sure isn't super surprising considering how young I am. It's just like you know, you get money or whatever, and you're like, hey, you know, I want to keep all of it. Um, you know, with money. Time, time in particular, uh, as far as that went, wasn't as hard for me to give. Um, you know, I like volunteering, uh, and I, I would help with church and stuff. But definitely, out of all four of those giving, it took me the longest to really adapt to, and not really. I would still do it, but it was more out of I was told like you have to do this or you should do this than it was out of like, you know, this is what I feel like I, I should do here. Gotcha. Yeah, so the giving aspect, you felt like that was the one that took you the longest to get to, specifically in the aspect of giving financially. You know, you said giving your time and then being willing to serve others. That came first, and then eventually you, you started to prioritize, like, financial giving as well. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to discover that that might be common for many people. I think that, I think it's pretty hard for us to part with uh, finances. Yeah, absolutely. Some other thoughts on uh, spiritual maturity. Yeah, Don, go ahead. I think that for, for me personally, the, the hardest was the first one, the gather part. And I think the reason for that is what the stumbling block to each one of them or from uh, going from one to the other is, and it's sin self and Satan. Like I didn't want to gather with Christians when I was 
playing Frank Sinatra, I did it my way and doing what I wanted to do. I didn't want to hear from my parents, any authorities, the law or anything, because all I cared about was myself. And I was in bondage to my sin and, and being led by Satan. So the gathering part was the hardest for me personally. But I think those three things are what keeps, when you ask that first question, why do Christians remain in a lingering state of immaturity, I think it goes back to one, if not all three of those, uh, that ourself, uh, we, you know, we may gather together on Sunday, but uh, uh, our selfish aspect of being able and thinking we can do it on our own, uh, and maybe even the sin issues that are going to come out more in a small group setting in an intimate Christian fellowship, Whereas you can stay in the back at church on Sunday and not be, you know, be brought to the light there. So I think the reason why that was the hardest for me personally, as I was just completely caught up in self and my sin and being led by Satan. But that aspect keeps me from going to the, uh, to the grow part and then to the, the give again. You know, I might gather now and I'm starting to grow a little bit, but now now you're going to cut into my pocketbook. <laughs> See, my selfishness comes out a little bit more. And Satan will be telling me, do you really want to give that to the church when you can do what we like doing with that money? And, <laughs> and, then the, and the go aspect, okay, I'm in a Christian community now. I'm growing, I'm giving, and I'm seeing how that stuff is, you know, my influence because of my giving. Now to go, you got to get, there's a whole new aspect of uh, relying on God to go there. So you got to give up a little bit more of self. And uh, so I see that as being what's in the way of the transition for each one of them. And, and like I said, for me personally, that's why the gathering together to come into God's family. I, I just got done getting out of my family when I told my dad where he could go with his rules and his roof, you know? Yeah. So, and I don't know if that's true for everybody, but that's certainly the way it went for me. And even now, those three aspects, since they still, I, you know, I still am a little bit selfish and, uh, and there's still sin issues we all have. And, and whether we believe it or not, a lot of times we, we you know, we're influenced by the enemy and that's what keeps us from flowing with the gathering and the growing and the giving and the going. Yeah. Well, and, and I also wonder, this is like kind of an addendum to what you just said there. Um, you know, like in the giving part, um, sometimes I encounter people that are very generous financially, but not generous with their time. And so it could be just another form of selfishness. You know, like, like I, I think, uh, you know, like I've seen some folks that, that really struggle with committing themselves time-wise to something that, that ultimately would be part of the healthy rhythm of a local church, part of their own growth. And uh, it could kind of have that same stingy mindset, that lack of generosity uh, that can kind of hold them back from experiencing what the Lord has for them. So yeah, good point. Uh, Nathan, is your, is your hand up a second time or is that from before? Before. Oh, okay. All right. No sweat. I just want to make sure to acknowledge it. All right. Yes, Mike, who uh, has a different screen name right now for some reason. 
Well, it's uh, I'm identifying as Darren today. Apparently, <laughs> um, I just had a bad time during quarantine. So yeah, weight lost my hair. You're, you're like a whole new uh, man. Anyway, the reason is my wife was running a meeting for the church last night. We logged into Darren's account and I didn't sign out. Oh, I so see. It comes up automatically. And anyway, well, camera dropped here. Let's try that. There we go. So um, the biggest issue I actually had was not gathering so much, but the, the motivation behind gathering. And let me explain that. Um, when we first started going to church, I felt so welcome there that I just wanted to serve in every capacity I could because I wanted to feel welcomed. And I wanted to keep feeling welcomed and feeling important. That whole narcissistic thing that Don was talking about, you know, the motivation of the heart is, uh, you know, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And it took years <laughs> for the Lord to break me of that habit. Um, and the financial thing, yeah, I think that hits everybody. Um, and I found out, and this is kind of interesting, and I don't know if this has happened to anyone else. When I was being stingy with my money, I could never seem to have enough. But when I started giving voluntarily and trusting the Lord, always had enough yeah so yeah it's like uh like what the lord says like that's actually an issue he's like yeah test me on this you know test me on this how many things does the lord tell us to test him on you know One yeah thing. <laughs> yeah it's like test me on this it's like uh you're inviting us to test you on this lord mm -hmm. that's fascinating yeah. um i i have a question for uh for those of you on here that are involved in various forms of church leadership. Um, I'm wondering, you know, where you see, so in the context of the local church that, that uh, either you're, you're part of or you're leading, which one of these four G's would you like to help your church gain a bigger vision for? You know, maybe there's one of them that you would say, oh, you know what, this is where our church tends to be pretty strong. We tend to be strong on this one but we tend to be weak on this one. What, what one of them would you say, you know, uh, I really like our church to develop a, a, a deeper vision for this particular G because I feel like maybe it's missing. I would say grow on the grow part. Yeah. Um, like face to face uh, interaction, fellowship, investment. Yeah. Because out of that, well, people start to develop, trust in their own spiritual gifts as they start to recognize them. Yeah. As people start to encourage them and say, listen, you have this gift that God has given you and we really need it to be in this church. We really need you to just trust that the Lord's got this covered, mm -hmm. you know, but that doesn't happen from just telling somebody that no, you have to develop a trust in a relationship with people. And um, that takes time. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Rick, I saw your hand up too. Yeah, I, I was going to say growth also. Uh, I, I believe uh, the, the approach I've taken is I try to talk about the basic principles of the faith a lot, you know, and that's why I'll usually start out the sermon. You know, this is something that is basic to our faith, and, and then I, I try to give uh, 
that particular topic. So um, I do that on a pretty regular basis. And, and doing that so that people, you know, understand uh, why they're, why they're in church, <laughs> you know, why they're uh, saying they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And if, if they can grab the basics, the other thing I think that helps with is, uh, is telling others about Christ. Mm-hmm. They won't feel uncomfortable when it comes to talking about the basics of their right. faith. Right. You know, so, so that's the, so that's the G you'd like to see. Them yeah. I, so the, growth is, growth is the one that I think I'd like to see more of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Any other, yeah, John. Am I on? Can you hear me? We hear you loud and clear. Yeah. All right. So I would say the, the, the go is the one that I was thinking of, because I, I feel like that sometimes churches can get into an identity where they just take care of what's in those walls and they are afraid to go out. And uh, also trying to get people to think of we need to get children more involved. In, in, and they're like, no, this is how we always did it. And this is how we should always do it. Mm-hmm. And not looking into getting younger people involved in the worship service. So that is something that I'm trying to work on the culture and changing that. Mm-hmm. But you would see, so, but you would see the, the, the G of go as kind of the, the one that you're, you'd really like your church to latch onto, you know, really like them to, to start to value more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other, I, I saw, it looked like Don and Craig both kind of gave thumbs up to that one too. Is that, that's kind of where, where you're at as well. Yeah. For me, I, I was thinking of the going, you know, it's part of the great commission to go. Right. Uh, number one. And then I, I was thinking of, uh, you know, so many churches we, we say we're like a family and that's a great thing, you know, but sometimes when we get too family oriented, we actually kind of you know, can start to turn in on ourselves a little bit. And I think going uh, is a remedy for that. And I even think about like in a family, we raise our children at some point, they must go. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we, we, that's part of our multiplication reproduction of disciples of, of churches is, is by going. And uh, so for me, that's the one I, I, I think we're all, we all like to gather and we all like to grow in our own way and, and we like to give. I think I'm with Craig and with John on the go part, and it actually leads into the recycle or the cycle again, because when we go, and remember how Jesus sent them out, you know, two by two, and once they go, what happens when you go is you gather with the new folks that you go to, and the process starts all over again. And mm-hmm. again, after you go and you gather, then you start to grow, and the, so it's it's that. Uh, circle of uh the three or the four g's going on but you got to go to do that right that thanks for continuing the conversation i missed like a minute of it there i don't know if you noticed zoom kicked me off was i just like a frozen block on the screen yeah it it kicked me off and i thought uh supposed to be hosting this meeting i just got kicked out of my own meeting but (laughs) but i'm back um here's a here's a, a follow-up question to some of this for you guys here I'm wondering, um, it's kind of like a two-part question. At what age did you, would you say you started to value spiritual maturity? And where was the, like, 
what was influencing you to value it? So how old were you when you started to value spiritual maturity? And what would you say was really influencing you to start valuing it? I mean, I'll I'll share for me, I started valuing spiritual maturity uh, right around the time I turned 15. And the context that I started to value it in was a, a community context. I actually got hired as a teenager to work at the Pocono Mountain Bible Conference, so a, a Christian summer camp, and observing and spending several months of the summer with older uh, Christians, so people who were just a few years older than me. I was a young teenager, and there were some older teenagers and 20-year-olds and stuff working there that I would see them walking around with their Bible. I would see them, you know, quoting scripture. I would I would see just the difference the Lord had made on their life. And I remember thinking, I, w- I want to be just like that. And so it was in, in that, you know, context where I would say the four G's were being practiced that I started to personally value spiritual maturity and actually started to, to really become invested in it from that point on. So I wonder, you know, what your story might be. What age and what context were you in when uh, that started, when that light went on for some of you? Go for it, Mike. Well, I came late to Christianity, actually. Um, I didn't become a follower of Christ until 2005. And about 11 years ago, I got this revelation that I had too much worldliness in me and I really wasn't living as a man who was born again. I was still kind of having one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. Mm. And the Holy spirit just was like, you've got to pick a side, dude, pick one or the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you belong to me. So you better pick the right one. (laughs) Right. And at that point, I started to realize that, yeah, you know what, I can no longer, and I still struggle with that. I think we all still struggle with that. Um, But I find myself now looking back at who I was and where I am today and realizing, yeah, I've made a lot of strides. I know I'm not going to be perfected until I see him face to face. So um, I just try and encourage myself and say, yeah, you know what, you're on a journey, dude. Just keep walking. Keep walking in the right direction. Yeah. So for you, you were well into adulthood when uh, when that happened for you. Uh, some others. What season of life were you at and what context were you in when that started to matter to you? Was anyone here particularly young, like anyone as a child, um, start to really grasp these things? I see Sharon. Yeah, go for it, Sharon. Well, I tell you, I've been real quiet tonight just listening, but I think I need to, I feel like I need to share this because I think I was eight years old between the years of eight and 12. I went to Lake Wabisa Bible Camp in Wisconsin with the yes. Primitive Methodist Jenkinsville Church. Okay. And don't, dis, don't dismiss little people because it was there that God just gave me the heart. I mean, I saw people like Reverend and Mrs. Macy, you know, Noreen's having her 99th birthday. She uh-huh. was such an example for me back then. And um, others, missionaries from Guatemala, I was really touched and felt called of God. And um, 
you know, at 12, I gave my life to him and I really wanted to be like these people mm. that I saw at camp each summer. And then as I came to Platteville to college and I got involved in a, in a Bible study group with college people and uh, it started me on, the, but the path started back when I was eight, nine and 10. And, yeah. I was and I just thank God for that. That's wonderful. I wanted to share that. Yeah. Like, thanks for sharing that. Should I talk or shouldn't I? You okay. always should, Sharon. <laughs> right. You always should. <laughs> you like my yeah. COVID hair? Mm. What's that now? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fashion show. It's Zoom. It's all right. You're good. <laughs> Anyone here, um, you know, maybe you would say later in life, this started becoming, um, you know, something you prioritize. Looks like plenty of us. Okay. A little bit later in life. Well, um, let me ask this maybe as kind of like our, our uh, final question. What are you doing right now? Or what, what are you like prioritizing right now that you feel is helping you personally in uh, your own spiritual maturity? Because obviously none of us is, uh, I think uh, oh, Mike may have said it just a moment ago, you know, we're not perfected yet in the sense that, you know, there's going to be a day uh, when we're glorified in the Lord's presence, right? So we're not there yet. You know, that, that day is uh, yet future for us. Um, so as you're, you know, what would you say has been very helpful for you in recent days? I would even say, you know, in recent months in just your own spiritual growth, is there something that you find particularly useful that truly is helping you grow spiritually while you're thinking of your answer? I'll, I'll just make mention of, it's no secret that I, I really enjoy podcasts. And so, uh, listening to podcasts, you know, listening to speaking and teaching and instruction via podcast is something where I've been receiving a lot of spiritual nourishment in recent days that's, that supplements uh, my spiritual growth. Um, you know, where, where are you guys finding some of these things that, you know, what's helping you most right now? Go for it. This thing that's going on with this pandemic pandemonium, uh, being isolated uh, and, and, and being forced to look at look at myself in a different can't do the things that I was doing then you know that that thing that I heard it said we always did it this way like God has changed everything so for me what's going on in the world today has really uh, caused all of these things and uh, my spirit to be alive in a way that it couldn't be before when you know my schedule and what I was doing I kind of had a niche and a rhythm and that all got blown out of the water. So that that's kind of uh, what I'm seeing God working on me with. And and I think that might be what he's doing here. Like, yeah, he gave us all a, uh, the quarantine is like a global grounding. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't help but uh, evaluate yourself. What's it say? Lamentations 340. Examine ourselves and return to the Lord. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's a time of reflection. That's a good way to use it. Yeah, John. Um, I was just saying how, like, uh, during this COVID-19 and just thinking of spiritual maturity, I really do miss worship. Um, last last uh, Sunday was the first time that I brought worship back to our Sunday service. Right. And be, me and my wife both were like, wow, we miss this. We, yeah. we crave worship. 
and we're the only ones there in our church building. She's filming me. And it, it's just like, we just miss that so much. And that's kind of what we're in this time. I'm just, I can't wait for us to get back together and have corporate worship. So I'm right there I, with you. Yeah. I just can't wait. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing with spiritual maturity. It just gives you that longing for the things that you already thought you had and you just wanted even more. Yeah, definitely. I have the privilege of uh, having a group for our men's discipleship. And um, I've been trying to get at least three times a week a devotional for them. And what's been happening is that as I'm doing my own devotional time in the morning, that God has been opening up scripture to show me areas in my life that I need to be challenged and work through. And it's helped me to share it with the men, and I've gotten feedback from them saying, I needed to hear this today. So God is using my shortcomings and helping me to challenge the men also to face their own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a mutual spiritual growth. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, in the context of the growth context, the community context. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up tonight? All right. Well, I appreciate you guys jumping on the call tonight. Thanks for, thanks for being here from all over the country as we're represented here, you know, multiple, multiple areas, multiple states. I hope your state is, uh, you know, emerging nicely from everything. Uh, the part of the state that I'm in Pennsylvania, and I don't know that they ever want to open where I'm at, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy for those of you that are experiencing a little bit more liberty than I am at the moment. But uh, yeah, it seems like we're we're locked down forever. So moving yeah. to a yellow county. <laughs> moving moving to a yellow county. Yeah, we're in the deep red. Uh, but anyway, thanks for jumping on the call tonight, and uh, appreciate the interaction and feedback. And Lord willing, ho hopefully some of these these G's we can, you know, just ask the Lord's help as we try and implement these things in our personal life, but also in the context of our local churches. But all right, have a great evening, everybody. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.